okay. our friend uh, John, a uh, friend yeah. of the show, he's in South Carolina, and so he got something called Mountain Dew Southern Shock. Uh-oh. He we went to a fried chicken place in North Carolina yeah. that he and I have talked about, Bojangles. He was like, oh, what should I get? What should I do? He was planning a strategy out for when he goes there because he doesn't like he doesn't live in the South, and neither do we. So it's like, you know, the, the rare times when you end up going there, you think, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. And he got right, something yeah. called Southern Shock. And I thought, what is that going to be? Is it like, is it sweet tea? It's Mountain Dew, though. Mountain Dew Southern right. Shock. Sounds like a euphemism for like a STD. Oh, yeah. I can't. I have Mountain Dew Southern Shock. I, <laughs> I, I really shouldn't be going out tonight. You know? Exactly. <laughs> but, we should start the podcast. Yeah, but it is 4th of July. So we can... uh, hello and welcome to Every Damn Thing. It's a podcast where we rank everything. I'm Phil. And I'm Jake, and we're here to guide you through the list of everything. Each episode, we take items and we tell you where they rank in the list of everything. The list can be viewed by going to everydamthing.net. You can find a link in the show notes. So, we've known each other since the 80s, once while in prison. If I recall correctly, we were at San Quentin. That's right. And we had six months left on a two-year bid. Anyway, a police detective came in and asked us for our help locating an escape convict that we used to run with. We said we'd help him if he got us out of prison for a couple days so that we could go retrieve our ranked list of everything. We had previously memorized the list, but while in prison, we spent so much time listening to the song Roxanne. She's a sex worker. But by the police. All of them are bastards. That the lyrics of the song overwrote most of our memories of the list of everything. So we can now only access the list little bits at a time through a scientific process called shooting the shit. That's how, with the help of our friends and listeners, we reassemble the list of every damn thing. The list is now at 225 items with Dolly Parton at the top and Transphobia at the bottom. Animal crackers, and I'm talking about the the treat, the the snack, the cookie, you know, the Barnum's. I'm not talking about the movie, the Marx Brothers movie. And Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey are in the middle of the list. Are you talking about the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey cookie? No, the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is a movie, and I'm talking about that, not the journey they go on in the movie. Gotcha. Uh, so anyways, if you want to look at the complete list, go to everydamthing.net. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and here we are, me and you, Phil, the two of us. Yeah, just, just you and me. So let's talk about this. What's the first thing we're going to rank? We got to get started. My time is precious. I don't know about you. My time is very precious. I got a hard so out coming. Of... So uh, okay. it's important that you, we, we, we wrap this up. We get, <laughs> we get straight down to brass tacks. I've got a hard in. Yeah, nice. Uh, the first thing we're going to rank uh, was submitted by a friend uh, of the pod and a listener, uh, Jason Mann, J Mann. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. It's a film, Forty Eight Hours. Forty Eight Hours is a movie I've watched with him. He he and I like to talk about Forty Eight Hours, and we saw it together. Not in the theater though. We like I don't know. We were just watching it together. We said this is great. Like, how come people don't talk yeah. about Forty Eight Hours more? Can you it's can funny. you can you clue me in on some on when it came out or like who directed it? Anything like that? I can. It'll take him. It'll take. Oh, a okay. Sorry. <laughs> sec. So yeah. So Forty Eight Hours. Uh, this is a movie from 1982. It stars Nick Nolte and um, Eddie Murphy. Uh, it's directed by Walter Hill. No, not a name that really sticks out to me. Walter Hill made The, the Warriors, I think. Oh, did he? Yeah, The Warriors, uh, uh, Southern Comfort, Another 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, which is wild, man. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Streets oh, of Fire. It's Streets of Fire is weird. <laughs> You're going to see. It's yeah, kinda... I mean, he's got, he's got a good resume. He, yeah. he did a lot of westerns. He did Last Man Standing. Uh, he directed Trespass. Motherfucker Deadwood episodes. Yep, that's right. I got it. And it's about a tough guy, Nick Nolte, who like you have to think in earlier, like when the when the script was written, he was more central and Eddie Murphy's character is a little more ancillary. Nick Nolte is top build and it makes sense because he's an established actor in Eddie Murphy. I think that's this is maybe maybe his first movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy doesn't appear for 20, until 25 minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's um, not. it doesn't feel like it's an Eddie Murphy vehicle. Like, Not that they're not confident that you're going to like Eddie Murphy or that he's going to pop. 
I think they knew. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's funny. Eddie Murphy's kind of more of a sidekick because, again, like the most of the action and and the and the plot is mostly about what's going on with Nick Nolte. Um, with Eddie Murphy being like a yeah. sort of a oh, and, and the premise of the movie, if you could sum it up in a sentence or two, what goes on in it? Eddie Murphy is key to the premise of the movie because, as the name states, forty-eight hours, which is abbreviated by the way, which is interesting. The hours is abbreviated, not the forty-eight. Um, actually, forty-eight is just a number. It's not okay, yeah, I got it, got it. As, as we mentioned, uh, as we alluded to in the intro, um, Nick Nolte needs Eddie Murphy, who's in jail, to help him find a guy who's an escaped convict who killed some cops. And Eddie Murphy says, "In order for me to do this, I got to be on the outside of jail." Nick Nolte uh, does some illegal stuff to get um, Eddie Murphy out of San Quentin for exactly forty-eight hours, so that they can go help find the guy. Uh, in the meantime, like the reason Eddie Murphy wants to do this is because there's money that's stashed in the trunk of his car, which is in a parking garage eddie murphy has his own reasons for trying to get out of jail for 48 hours so they got 48 hours in which to do this stuff um before eddie murphy goes back to jail so that's the name, that's where the title comes from yeah that's where the title comes from and it does like show that like eddie murphy's character is well maybe not the protagonist so to speak in the movie um, yeah, yeah. maybe not the main protagonist is important you know he the sets up the, the central situation, situation that you have yeah. this much time and also i mean maybe it was called something different maybe it was called uh, I'm a crusty uh, white guy and I'm a cop or yeah, something. Yeah. And they changed the title because Eddie Murphy, like I, you have to think that as they started filming, they realized, Oh, we really have somebody, somebody special here. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, like the camera. Oh, yeah, totally. The They're like this, this guy's really going to fucking breathe some life into this uh, movie. And they might've even rewrote some of it for him. It kind of feels like it's a dirty, hairy type character. That, oh yeah, totally. That, totally. This seems like it, they might've wanted a, a Eastwood to be this, to play this role. Although this role would be too similar to dirty Harry. So it's def- they definitely like, yeah, Dirty yeah. Harry inspired. Uh, he's a, uh, essentially a crooked cop. I mean, he's crooked in very many ways. Maybe more crooked than he is good in general. But some of the crooked stuff he does is, okay, like help his friend Reggie keep, okay, the guy that becomes his friend Reggie keep What his, I found weird was, I recall he's like the guy who you're supposed to root for in the movie, but he's openly racist, right? Well, he well, is. Uh, but he learned, you know. I mean, we can, yeah. we, can, we can get into piece by piece, but like there's, yeah. his character is troublesome in lots of ways. Uh, the main way is by being openly racist, at least in the beginning of the movie or the first half of the movie. But he it's also, a buddy comedy, and I never saw the sequel, but I'm sure I'm sure they become closer buddies. It's in a that, bit of but a it's buddy like, comedy, yeah. I mean, he does. He's also super violent, which is, I guess, pretty common for a cop those days. But he's like choking women who like are like not necessarily like suspects, but are like maybe like know something about the. Yeah, he's like, I just choke her. I just choke her out. Oh, yeah, and um, some of the villains are from the Warriors, too. I want to say one of the guys I've seen him in a Dirty Harry movie, but like, you know, that two makes of the sense. main characters from the Warriors are the are the villains in this movie. Yeah, and they're uh, quite good. it's been a while since I've seen the Warriors, but that makes sense. And um, they kill a guy in a park that I think is not far from your house. I, I remember like oh, really? in the beginning of the movie, they kill somebody in this park. And I want to say it's like Lafayette Park or one of those parks in SF. Sorry for people not. Yeah, it was, it's hard to tell which park that is exactly, um, to yeah. be honest. It could be uh, like – and also it's unclear how much they actually filmed in SF. A lot of it – The movie takes place in San Francisco. Um, it's shot uh, all over the city. There's definitely a lot of like um, uh, outdoor shots or them driving in a car and whatnot that are in San Francisco. Some that also might be in L.A. because I think there's certain streets in L.A., downtown L.A. that like might look like San Francisco. Um you know, Reggie's in San Quentin, which is in uh, which is in the Bay Area. In the movie itself, they like mention like, "Oh, we're going to the mission. Now we're going to Chinatown. Now we're going to the now I'm in the Fillmore. You know, this guy's from the Bay Area, or sorry, from the East Bay." Did that sell um, you on it? Well, you said yeah, nice. Uh, kind of yeah. Uh, although they did sense. say like they they were in the mission, and like they did say like, "Oh yeah, we got we got to like go to find this." 
person who's like a couple blocks up in Chinatown. I've been watching um, some old movies where they say they're in San Francisco. It's like Maltese Falcon or something. I think I don't, I'm not sure they're in San Francisco area. You know, they're uh, probably not, but um, yeah. they they take place in San Francisco. Lady from Shanghai is a, is a lot of that is shot in San Francisco. And if yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. seen that, watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. It goes part. to everybody. So, so, so I, when you watch it, it, do you say like, "Hell yeah, um, I love this movie"? When I'm jumping out of my seat, clapping, exploding. No. I don't. Here's the thing about the movie. It's got a really great premise, like really good. Like the, the elevator pitch to it is fucking wonderful, especially if you like are like, yeah, and the cop is Nick Nolte and, and the fucking uh, guy in jail is Eddie Murphy. You're Would like, it have been worked if it was Richard yeah. Gere instead of Eddie, instead of Nick Nolte? Yes. Um, uh, the execution of it is pretty lackluster. Um, it also would have been worse if it was Nick, uh, Richard Gere instead of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's a great premise, but like, I, I, was, I watched it yesterday, and I, was, I and I hadn't seen it for like maybe a decade or so, and I found myself when I looked looked at it objectively and like separated myself from my like being into both the actors and and the characters, you know, the the types of mm-hmm. characters they're playing, and you know, the 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 city and the setting. I found myself thinking like the general plot and the way the movie is executed is not especially exciting and it's it's like it rides a lot on the charisma of the actors who are great actors uh but they the, honestly script wise in most cases for the most part they're not given a whole lot to work with especially eddie murphy and especially compared to like other movies you know movies that like like came I, out right after i get uh, it like you compared to like if you watch trading places it's like yeah, yes, they, yeah, they don't they don't clear out and and let him. Yeah, he really yeah. gets the shine in, and it, became, and it probably has a little bit to do with the writing. Um, in both, and same with a uh, Beverly Hills Cop, which Eddie Murphy wrote. Um, and and Trading Places, it's like it's it works better as a comedy Wait, because Murphy, there's better I mean, writing in it. Also, another thing is neither of the characters are especially likable. Um, they remade Forty Eight Hours a hundred times, right? So you've seen a, like that. It was like a template for a, for a long time. This kind of movie, sure, yeah. right? And um, have you ever seen the one with Most Def and Bruce Willis, where uh, they they're not, a bunch no. of crooked cops, and and Most Def is a witness, and Most Def is doing a really strange voice the whole time. I, mean, I don't know. It's kind of like it. That's like that's a, the most recent. And that was that was years ago now. But I thought, oh, that, that when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, it's they want to do a 48 hours on this one, right? Yeah, even like Rush Hour kind of is. Um, yeah, yeah. But they're but both police. It's it's a different situation. There's they're different... police. There's also a little bit of a race component. In this, there's a major yeah. race component. The, the movie starts with Cates, who's the Nick Nolte character, um, you know, saying a lot of racist stuff. When he when he first he like he does he says a couple of uh, slurs, racist slurs to Reggie. When he um, first picks him up at jail, he like handcuffs him, you know, and he's like Reggie's like we don't really need this, and he's like, listen, man, um, I own your ass. And but later, once they sort of have been partners for a few hours, there's a scene in which um, he says, "Look, I was I didn't mean the stuff that I said." And he refers to the slurs, which I'm not going to repeat. That he says, he says, "Like I I was just doing my job, keeping you down." Literally, the the line is, "I was just doing my job, keeping you down." And Reggie doesn't like forgive him for that, but like he does like say, "Yeah, but you can give me twenty bucks to go do this thing." Um, and Kate's obliges, which I kind of see as a metaphor for um, reparations, which is good you know sure. um sure. the whole thing is like a uh, metaphor for the way like, like black people have been treated in the country in this country i think or you could look at it that way like yeah um, yeah it's like it's especially like he's like if you see his him getting released from prison as symbolizing a sort of end of oppression you know like the the um the civil rights movement the where it becomes a bummer the metaphor is when you remember that he's only out of prison for 48 hours uh but yeah, I mean, it's that stuff is like pretty. Doesn't he? Doesn't he escape at the end? I thought he has to go back. No, into he the... goes. They don't show him going back to prison, but it's implied that yeah, he's going to go back to prison for six months. And when he gets out, he gets to keep his money. Does it bother you that it violates? You know the rules of drama, like um, like 
a play has to take place all in the span of 24 hours, you know, of one day. That's like, right, yeah. you know, and it violates yeah. that rule, right? So you're like, 48 hours, I'm not going to see this. Like, if you could tell right <laughs> yeah. now that it's going to, I already know that it's going to take place yeah, over I mean, honestly, more anytime than one day. That it, anytime that a play does not take the place in, in one location, yeah. or a movie does not, is that not all set in one location? You boo um, loudly? All like set in 24 <laughs> hours, yeah. I'm, you I call the exile from Athens, the playwright. You're like, boo, this, yeah. this playwright doesn't know what's up. I go yeah. out and demand to have uh, my money back, which was paid in grain. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, just, but so yeah, there's a lot of te- text and subtext, like explicit stuff and and less explicit stuff about like race and and also policing and also like the carceral state and whatnot. Some of it's pretty grating. Um, um, I get it, and there's a lot of like today's uh, there's a lot. I mean, it's like you're watching a cop movie. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. On race too, there's also like from the start, there's a Native American character who's one of the villains in it, and um, right away they like they they call him. Throughout the whole movie, they just call him the Indian. He has a name. They refer to him occasionally as by that name, but otherwise they just like Indian guy. We got to go get the Indian. The Indian is in Chinatown, which is right next to Mission. He's shopping for a, um, a prostitute, a sex worker at one point. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, his friend is shopping for him. And he's like, yeah, he's an Indian. He wants an Indian woman. No, no, not a turban. A, 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 he wants a squaw, which is like – so some pretty like – even yeah. for the '80s, I would think like uh, uh, if I was a Native American, uh, it's it's an R-rated movie and and they're and they're edgy. It's like you know they're, they're, they want you to let you know. Uh, that's the thing is like you watch a lot yeah, of yeah, but movies, they're, like they're trying, I, you. I, I think I want to say it's like Escape from Alcatraz, maybe Birdman of Alcatraz, where Clint yeah. Eastwood is like. It's weird that it, there was a time when there would be sympathetic characters just dropping racial slurs, and you're supposed oh, yeah. to, and like the audience presumably is isn't it's not like. Um, they learn their lesson later on or, you know, someone tells them like, hey, you know, it's not that kind of thing. Yeah. They, they're using racial slurs and you're like, yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. He's a he's a he's a kind of guy who speaks his mind or, you know, it's a it's a fucking weird time in, in, yeah. in movies. Yeah. I mean, but I say weird time and that's like all time until pretty recently. But that was like that was not uncommon for there to be like a, a, a tough guy hero. And that was one of the things about him was like he's openly racist and you're it, it's not supposed to be like an off-putting thing for the audience it's crazy yeah, and, though. and even more common is probably somebody who's not openly racist but like implicitly racist or like yeah yeah or the film the, the film that he's a part of i get it it's like yeah yeah, yeah. I, and it's hard there is, because, i mean they, they yeah. do try to mediate it some in this movie you know again like there's a scene that i told you about where nick Dolte apologizes and kind of says like you know it's uh, yeah man well, like i said he apologizes and says i'm just doing what i'm supposed to do um uh, by being a cop and essentially like oppressing you. Um, and, and Edward Murphy's, I, I forget the exact line, but he's like, yeah, but like, that's not cool. You know? Uh, uh, but like and, when you watch the movie, what do you like, how do you feel that, that the movie feels right? How did the movie feel about the carceral state? Are they cheering? You know, like when I watch dirty Harry, I'm like, this fucking guy is a maniac, man. It's, and, yeah. and they're, and they're telling you like the guy who wrote John Milius, is that, is it yeah. Milius? You know, there's some like dark stuff going on in the head of the person who wrote this. I, and I kind of feel like there's something of that in all cop shows. Like whenever yeah, yeah. you're watching, True. like, I know this is like, Maybe it's not the time or place to interrogate all this because we're just trying to talk about this one movie, and and I I, I think it moves along really well, and there's a lot of charisma from the two guys, and I and I thought the both of the sure. like the villains were pretty menacing and good, and I, and I like those two villains. Yeah, and they do distinguish between villains who are uh, the movie like sets out that there's a criminal class more or less, and and the criminal classes and like it can be separated into different types. Um, some of them are you know like crazed maniacs who are cop killers who are like. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do anything. We'll kill everybody. Um, just, just love shooting guns and killing people. Some of them are are like Reggie, who is like, you know, he's just an opportunist, maybe. Um, who, if he's out of jail, once he serves his time, can like 
maybe do some good and, and be better and maybe should you know should be given should be given some slack in terms of uh his illegal activities there's some who are like not even like necessarily uh criminals but are like associated with criminals like these women who's like sure, the girlfriend sure. of the guy who gets choked out throughout the movie um especially at the beginning nick nolte's always referring to um to reggie as convict like Listen, convict. Uh, you know we're doing this. You see, um, I was a prison, or I'm a, I am a refugee from a train gang. No, I haven't. But I've you, li- you might like to, it. It's quite good. It's quite good. It's about a guy. You know, the title pretty much tells you what it's about. It's good. I've listened to Lonesome Fugitive by uh, Merle Haggard. It might be that like he saw this movie. You know, like this movie was real popular in it, and it helped get chain gangs uh, take. Oh, man. that's yeah. rad. Uh, there is a weird inversion of like speaking of race, at least where. Um, Kate's Nick Nolte's character drives um, a car that um, is like normally coded as being like a, a black person's car, and Reggie even like comments like, "Oh yeah, like it looks like you bought off one of the brothers." And whereas Reggie's car, which he drives, is like some European sports car, and Kate's comments that oh, like, and it, and it like brings them together. Yeah, kind of. They realize, um, oh, we're all human beings buying these uh, cars. Uh, the movie also has two scenes in in bars, one of which is like a very white uh, bar. Oh, Torchies. Um, Torchies, yeah, which yeah. is like a redneck bar where there's stars and bars around. Every single person's wearing a cowboy hat, which I don't know if that kind of place existed in San Francisco. Um, it's kind of like in the 80s. Th- there's a movie, I want to say it's the Presidio, where they go to this bar in the Presidio and it's like a tough – I thought maybe it's different when it was an army base because yeah. I, I don't know of any bar in that area at SF where it's like, you know, there's like a fist fight, there's bikers. Maybe the early 80s. Oh, there time. is for sure. I mean yeah. in the 80s. There must have been, and, and there's bars, and I mean, I've been in fistfights in bars in San Francisco. Well, so. uh, what hap- what's happened to me sometimes in San Francisco is um, I break a bottle over a guy's head, and he's such mm-hmm. a tough guy that he doesn't even it, it doesn't even phase him. He doesn't even oh, notice. Yeah. So he turns around and looks at me, and I I look around like, hey, I shrug my shoulders, like I don't know what happened, man. But you punch a guy, and, and then like he doesn't move at all, but you like your fist hurts. Yeah, and, and then I he goes to punch uh, yeah. me back, and oh yeah, exactly, and he. I duck down and he punches the other guy out. That happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that club in the movie or that bar in the movie is contrasted later by uh, uh, like a dance club, an African-American thing. Oh, in the Fillmore. Yeah. Club in, in the Fillmore, which both both of them look fun. OK, so I'm ready to rank this movie. I, OK, I, like, so I want to say there's a few other things I wanted to oh, comment I on. You'd have a few more things uh, to say. That's why yeah. I wanted to say I wanted to rank um, it. I, I said this, the movie's overall you know, a, a mediocre job in, in terms of making a movie. One reason I I think that it's remembered well is because there's it's Oh his speech in Torchies where he tells the people they're all rednecks and, and Yeah, that's uh, that speech isn't even that great. You know, like it's it's okay. Well, you gotta put it in its perspective, man. You gotta that's put it true, in its yeah. place and time. It's and like, it's, you're right. Like it, it's it's really an interesting artifact of its time, um in in lots of ways. Uh, and it's worth it's worth it for those reasons. And also I think it's remembered well because it does like confront the race at a time when it wasn't the most common thing for that not to Not just that, but you didn't that's culture. something that like ha, what's a movie that, that it had what's a movie before where there's a, a black man on the screen and he's like confronting these and he's confronting in a in a vulgar way too. Like, yeah, I mean, he's cursing it, it happens, like, there's Blazing Saddles was a little bit before this. And, and there's, sure, there's but some examples. Of I'm it, just saying it's like, movie. this is an audience, like, this is a movie meant for everyone to watch, right? Yeah. It's totally. not a movie aimed primarily at black or white audiences. No, it's no, like, it's, it's meant to have broad appeal. It's, it's, it's meant to speak to, to speak to both. Yeah. yeah. It's not that much meant to speak to women, I don't think. Um, yeah, they weren't, they're yeah. not really taken. When I said everybody, I, I yeah. meant, it's a movie for, for, I would say boys, but it's from, it's a men's movie. 
Right? If you yeah, if you like to see um like lots of female hostages and stuff like that, it's oh a, like it's leave a the girl out of it it's between you and me. Dude, almost every woman in it is a sex object or a hostage. Yeah, um, yeah. There are some exceptions. Welcome to Hollywood, women. dude. True, you watch movies, true. Yeah. In terms of the quality of the movie, there's is a lot of great imagery in it. Um, everything's like really dirty and dingy. Cars are rusty and beat up. There's a lot of awesome like '80s neon signage in it, like Chinatown stuff, but also like not Chinatown stuff. Um, so it's fun to look at. And then at, near the beginning, before Reggie even shows up, there's this scene in the police station, like in the or the police headquarters, after a couple of cops have been killed, where um, it's early in the movie. There's an uninterrupted three minute shot of the camera, like following characters around this like large crowded room at police headquarters there's like at least probably 30 people in the scene maybe more you know like with extras at least like 10 or 12 people have lines in it um there's like multiple simultaneous conversations going on at the same time and the camera's like weaving in and out of those you took your hat off to walter hill when you're watching yeah, yeah. It. i i, I rerounded watch i was like wait is this one shot and I uh, I reround it and watch it to make sure um, it's like an elaborate dance, like amongst the actors themselves, including including the extras, and also between the actors and the camera. Um, it's a really impressive piece of filmmaking, but it's kind of the only one. You can't do it a dozen times, but like why not? Like why not show and off and, and make something like, cool? If you see that these days, it's going to be like in like you know I don't know a Wes Anderson movie or like you know a, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or something like special. Someone uh, someone showing you what they can do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. this like here they're not even really showing off; they just are like. Uh, they're they're showing off if you're looking for it, but I th I think most people wouldn't be looking for it. You chuckled appreciatively for much of the movie while I was just sort of sitting, paying attention. For that part, I was clapping. Okay, all right. Um, Let's rank I, this, man. I want to rank long. this. I'm ready to rank it. There, the characters in it aren't great. A lot of times, like the movie makes me really want a virtue signal. Uh, Reggie, like uh, yeah, everything almost, makes me want a virtue signal, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean it's my that's my natural state. Um, Reggie's like is <laughs> always trying to coerce women, like because he he's seen by um, a lot of other characters as being a cop. Almost every woman he interacts with, he's trying to like use the law to con coerce them to have sex with him. Um, in a way that's it's pretty uh pretty it's pretty uh, off putting. I bet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. off putting. Yeah. But um, See, so those are my those while. are my problems with the movie. Yeah um, okay. But you know I did not enjoy watching it. And it's great to see um, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Watching either of them anytime is pretty fun. Do you think um, someone else besides Nick Nolte? What about uh, what's that guy who's a very Nick Nolte like energy? Gary Busey could he have Gary done Busey. it? Gary Busey, Nick Nolte, and Gary Busey like um, Nick Nolte is the best if you want that kind of guy, right? Yeah, Gary is there Busey a better is, guy? is never anything but a second rate Nick Nolte. Wait, could um, Clint Eastwood? I mean, Clint Eastwood could have done that, right? Eastwood could have done it, but it would have been pretty much the same character as Dirty Harry. So, and I don't. Clint Eastwood would probably argue with this, but I don't think he can be funny in the way. No, I mean, just Nolte's no, so good. No, his no. grumbling, his dialogue, the way he delivers, uh, he's perfectly cast for it. And and, and then just like the part was written for Eddie Murphy, more or less. You know, I guess uh, Richard Pryor could have done it as well, but like Eddie Murphy, the character's perfect for him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and, it, and it, a launching pad for the guy too. Like, out yes. of that, they're like, oh, this guy, this guy pops so hard that we got to like put this guy in another movie right away. You know, and we got to make him like the detective that's like the main protagonist. Yeah. What what if this guy was in Beverly Hills? You know, what yeah. if what if this guy was trading places? You know, what yeah. if this guy was the best defense? Like that's yeah. they they what start. What if this the, guy was a nutty professor? Yeah, exactly. What if this guy was a nutty clump? <laughs> exactly. Everything falls from that when you see that guy. I mean, I'm sure it yeah. was the same when he was on Saturday Live, but it's like it's clear what they had and what and what they're dealing with, and they're like, oh, it's a star. And it's weird when you see that because you're actually watching it happen. Like that's yeah. the exciting thing about that movie is. You're watching the people making the movie realizing that yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, even between when they hired him and when the movie came out, there's probably like his, like his, his, he was rising so meteorically. Um, yeah. 
So um, uh, looking yeah. at the list, at 59, we got Trading Places, an Eddie Murphy movie, an obvious choice. It does have some offensive stuff, but I don't think even even close. It does have a message. Well, no, it does have a message, too. It's, what are you talking really about? Trading Places so, doesn't have a message, man. Uh, Trading Places it, is like, it, it's a it's about how uh, uh, your circumstances define your, your station, right? Right. In this movie, the purpose of m- most of the at least racist stuff said, well, at least racist stuff said about black people, Yeah, yeah. Is so that you learn a lesson. Um, about you know it's like okay, t- it sets okay. up a lesson being learned um in trading places there's some, some blackface in it which doesn't really set up oh yeah yeah as usual i forgot that part again okay so let's yeah. let's look but let's i think look. overall that movie's better than this in that like aspect trading places still like is no sure. is no worse okay so, well then um, next thing the next movie down we have is uh truman see, show I, at 62 the truman show at 62 well there's flash down 61 um both of both of those movies are better than this movie if and truman show opinion. is like honestly it's incredible and it makes people go crazy so i like it yeah i just think it's a great movie and a classic and it does it's under discussed um drumline i also think is a better movie i so love that's drumline. 77 yeah um yeah i'm gonna have to i mean drumline d- d- does suffer from not having neither nick nolte or uh, eddie murphy in it uh, yeah, i mean a lot of if you're gonna if you're gonna use that as a cudgel to hit them with i mean you could say that about a lot of movies okay next movie down 89 E.T. Does it have uh, Nick Nolte or Eddie Murphy? In no, it? it doesn't. It's no, E.T. the E.T. Extraterrestrial. E.T.'s good though. It has in, it, like if you're, yeah. you know, it makes you cry for a little yeah. puppet, and it's like a wet puppet. Yeah, <laughs> it's got great special effects. <laughs> it's gross. a better overall. It's a better overall movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So we can also oh, Enter the Dragon '99. Now I think now we're kind of getting into the territory, yeah. getting closer to the territory. I think not, I think Enter the Dragon still has an edge. Enter the Dragon's not. You know, overall, like a a, a better constructed movie, but uh, I think maybe a better comparison is number one hundred and four, Game of Death, right? Because Game right. of Death is like, again, it's interesting more for its historical because uh, uh, you're watching the the last movie, you know, the last thing of, yeah. of Bruce Lee. This is you watching the first thing of Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. And also, Game of Death has the invisible uh, scene. Maybe I don't know. Did you ever end up watching that? The scene that's actually made didn't make it into the cut. That is really good with Kareem Abdul. Um, oh yeah, I think yeah. I think Game of Death has got to go above it as well. Even though Game of Death is also a movie that's not like uh, I, I would rather sit down and watch Trading Places probably than Game of Death. But still, I think Game of Death deserves to be above it. And oh, so Game of Death is at one hundred four. Jessica Rabbit's one hundred five. Well, Jessica well, Rabbit another movie. To be above. Oh, then uh, we have Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Journey, which is at the midpoint of the list. Now. Bill Ted's Bogus Journey doesn't have anything really historical to recommend it. Right. It it does have uh, a a slurry that also appears at least once in this movie. All right. Okay. uh, And and appears in the first Bill and Ted movie. Um, There's nothing really that makes me, compels me to think about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So I kind of think it should go somewhere between Game of Death at number 104 and. uh, I don't agree. I think Bill and Ted. Well, hmm. you know what? I think you're right. Uh, Well, yeah, I I, I think you're right. I was going to say, I think I like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey more. And maybe I do, but maybe I don't. So it's it's close enough. I think this is where we're getting it. Um, yeah, we're we're somewhere in that in that right territory. So there. 105, uh, Jessica Rabbit, not above that. Um, 107, anime. I think anime deserves to be above this particular movie. It's br- it's a broad category of things, and uh, yeah, that makes sense. But that's my only real anime is my ceiling, I guess. Uh, the things between the rest of the things between anime, kids and restaurants. I'd put it above kids and restaurants. I went. Okay. I, had, I had a nice time. I had a dinner with some kids. And they were they were fine, but I also had a dinner with my uh, with some kids. I don't want to name them, but um, it was a, a dreadful experience. And yeah. I thought, why do I bring kids to restaurants? You know? Okay, so let's let's put it there. Yeah, forty eight yeah. hours. The movie goes in at one hundred eight, moving kids and restaurant to one hundred nine. Okay, um, let's take it back. Take a take it back to the after the break. When we come back from the break, I'm gonna um, do some virtue signaling. I'm gonna signal more virtue than you. Okay, we'll see what you can do. Um, well, I, I guess it depends what the topic is. 
said, the next topic is sleeping naked, submitted by Sarah S., friend of the show. So here's what's up. Sleeping naked means you're sleeping in bed, but you don't have any clothes on. And I will say, right. here's, here's an issue with it. Um, it. It's cool, I suppose. I don't know if well, it makes you sleep any better, but let's say the someone rings the bell or like there's a fire oh, alarm. I hadn't thought about Or your that, house yeah. starts burning down and you come outside, yeah. you're butt naked. Whereas if you wear full matching set of pajamas with a cap on the top with a little right, uh, yeah. pom-pom and, the, and then you come down with a candle on a, a metal holder – and you come out like, what's all that noise? You know, that's what you can do if you, in slippers, of course. So I'm kind of against sleeping naked just because it could be impractical in an emergency situation. You need to be ready to go and ready to evacuate at all times. I hadn't thought about that. And that is a really good point. At least having one thing covered. Although, you know what? Why, why do you got to be so ashamed of being nude? You know, well, no, like, it's cold. What if it's cold outside? Oh, that's a good point. But then like, I mean, if you're I'm in, right like, now butt naked into the snow. So you think that you should, one should sleep. Well, I guess it depends on what the weather's okay, like outside. When you hear the fire, you're saying one should sleep at least for, is, so that they're comfortable in whatever temperature it's going to be at its coldest or hottest during the night. Okay, when I hear a fire alarm, first mm-hmm. thing I do, run as fast as I can out my front door and jump into the uh, the front yard. Right. Yeah. So I know you live in an apartment, so it's different for you. But yeah. there's a in the front yard. I don't. By the way, I don't have green grass. It's a drought. I understand. We have. It's, it's all cactuses. Yeah, I'll cactus. I jump out into there and then, you know, it could be snowy, it could be whatever. So usually I wear like a full beekeeper suit when I'm when I'm <laughs> when you're uh, asleep. <laughs> yeah, when I'm asleep yeah. just in case. Yeah. You know? Your um, front yard is full of cacti and bees nests. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. What, so. what are you gonna do? So I guess it's not for everybody. I guess that's my answer about sleeping naked is it's not for everybody. Um but like if it's hot, yeah, you should do it. I got issues if it's hot even. Um so because I don't like this is getting real graphic. Okay. I don't like it when my thighs touch Ooh, my other thighs. Graphic. Especially if it's if it's warm out. If I'm oh, like sweating. I see. Yeah. I don't so like you, that. I would like wait, to Wait, you something. don't put yourself in the harness when you go to bed? <laughs> what which harness? <laughs> the one that like you get strapped down with your legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I usually sleep upside down, hanging from a thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That makes sense too. Like a vampire sleeping upside down naked would not look that good. No, vampires you gotta have a, you gotta have a cloak clothes. on or whatever vampires yeah. wear. What do vampires wear anyway? Well, they, they wear a tuxedo, right? They sleep in like like I don't know. What they oh, full time they're in that. Then they wear cool pajamas with bats yeah. on them. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, right? they have to. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I guess I'm so, ready to rank it. It's it's like I'll get, it's a I, yeah, I'll get there. I got a couple of quick quick takes on it. Um, uh-huh. I'm 100 percent behind sleeping naked. Um, if my wife is in the bed. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um, but otherwise, I would rather not sleep naked. Um, also, I've been gradually adding. Like as I've gotten older, um, I went from like just sleeping in in my boxers, which I've kind of always done, to like. Now I sleep in pajama bottoms and sometimes like a, a pajama top or a shirt or sometimes even like there's a sweatshirt that I use uh, a lot of times as like a pajama top that I've had for over 20 years. Um, and I guess that depends on whether or not it's cold outside. The first suit. But otherwise I'm not into like I'm generally into sleeping either with with pajama bottoms on or at least uh, boxers on. Right. Um, pretty, also it should be noted that animals always sleep naked. Well, no, because sometimes uh, you put like a little you have a collar oh, on. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I take it back. Sometimes um, I sleep with just a collar on too. Yeah, okay, that's um, fine. Man, I'm, I'm, like the last thing I would do it would be judge you, man. I told you I'd do some virtuous uh, signaling, so now I get to tell you, hey, the last thing I want to do is shame you. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's like it's fine, but it's not. It's not really for me, except in certain circumstances. So, what are some um, things on the list already that are fine, that are cool, but not necessarily all the so time? Is, is it a situation or an activity? It's both. I mean, it's a practice. Okay, so. Um, one situation that we have 
is uh, kids in restaurants is sleeping naked. Uh, it's better than that, right? Yeah, because kids in restaurants can be screaming. But like I said, you could be frozen. You could get be outside in the cold. You run outside your house and then you get well, locked. It really outside. depends on the circumstances. Like it could be great, it could be bad. You know, like so. I think that. Yeah. Right. That means that it's got. Well, what's a, the best case scenario for when you're sleeping naked? You just feel free and nice and and like and uh, yeah. liberated from your clothes. Um, or it's kind of sexy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that like it's so pretty even. It really depends on the circumstances. The middle of the list is one twelve, one thirteen, um, one thirteen. Mm-hmm. Now, what animal about animal crackers? Because animal crackers are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, they get, I don't know, they're like stuck in your teeth. Yeah. If you're sleeping naked in bed, you eat animal crackers in bed, you get animal cracker crumbs all I, over You yourself. know, I think it's better than Cheech and Chong. I think sleeping naked is, is better than Cheech and Chong because I'm even not really if, crazy. Even if you know it's what, cold outside, even if there's song. a fire alarm. If somebody, if you're watching Cheech and Chong and someone rings the fire alarm, you just go out. I just run outside. I don't have to worry about uh, uh, yeah. like waking up. Uh, where? Who am I? What's going on? And then, what if somebody brings a fire alarm and you run outside and you are Cheech and Chong? It's still better. It's still better. <laughs> so, like that means Cheech and Chong is better. Well, wait, than I kind of want to say I want to put it above Sriracha, but, but below Tulsa Time. Okay, that works. Yeah. Okay, it sounds good to me. Tulsa Time. I'm talking about the song uh, by yeah. Tulsa Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, sleeping naked. The activity goes in at number one eighteen. Yes. Moving Sriracha to number. 119. Yeah. Um, if you want to do one more super fast, we can take yeah, we a break can do it. and do it really fast. Okay. Great. So let's take a break. Next one is um, submitted by a friend of the show, Luke J. He wants yes. to know, what about mockingbirds mimicking car alarms? Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird submission. Luke seems to always submit things that are a background noise. Like he submitted gas-powered leaf blowers before. He submitted wind chimes. Yeah, uh, that makes sense because he, he, he knows about sound and he's, you know, yeah. like he's an expert at such things. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with these. Um, uh, are they trying to mate with the car? When mockingbirds mimic things, are they trying to mate with it? It's just – I kind of think it's great. I love it. It's like – It's a good like, idea, but like do you like car alarms? Well, do you like when the we say car, car alarms, alarms, we're talking about the stereotypical four-stage car alarm where yeah. it goes – Dee doo dee doo whoop 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 dee yeah. doo dee doo yeah. yeah. Um, it's I, pretty I, great, although that sound itself is not a great sound. No, but it's kind of like nature co-opting. Like you realize that these animals live in this world, and and we like putting this noise pollution of various kinds into the world, and that's a pattern that some birds have have memorized and have learned, and they use it for their own mating. Like um, my wife was telling me the way mockingbirds work is in order to impress a female mockingbird. The mockingbird has to learn seven other bird songs or, you know, I don't know what number. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that's why they do it. And I don't know why that's considered impressive or, you know, how that works out for the, you know, I guess that's a a suitable mate. It's like having bright feathers or something. You're able to imitate more things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if the the lady mockingbird just sits there and like counts and is like, "Eh, that's okay, six. Mm, That's one. Okay, well, this (laughs) one was pretty similar to the last one. (laughs) Yeah. Like these two. And And they're like, oh, wait, no, wait, that's a fucking car alarm. Oh, and if I can virtue signal a little bit, I'd like to say, I don't think it's right to try to impress um, birds by coming up by copying other people's songs i think it's better to write your own songs yeah and if i was impressing lady birds i would write my own songs and not imitate others but you know that's me I, you can do what you want but um that's a, it's a thing it's um but i, I kind of like it, it it's a it, it's kind of beautiful in its own way it's like yeah they're sort of doing art they're they're yeah. they're imitating this thing they're representing this thing 
but this thing is not a bird, but it's enough like a bird for their usage, which is just to impress yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, they're dummies. They think that cars are birds. Uh, no, so, man, they're not dummies. They're, yeah, they're it's like, good. It's good. We get to make fun of these dumb birds. No, we're the dummies, dude. We destroy their environment, and then you make fun of them for what what they do to to live in that environment. There's no more bird songs for them to hear. You know what the population of birds are compared to like 20, 30 years ago in this country? No. It's like total wild birds in this country are like something like I don't know. They've lost like two thirds of their population in the past in the past forty years or so. That's because they're trying to have sex with cars all the time. No, <laughs> no, it's because everyone has their cats uh, in the backyard uh, 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 swiping at them. You know, you're like, yeah. hey, look where my little cat brought me. A cats bird. are in the backyard uh, with the Tinder open. <laughs> yeah, swipe right swipe, on a bird. Right. So if I could purchase it for a little bit, I would say. I, you should never swipe left at all because everyone is beautiful. And so it's these true. birds should it's just true. be open. To, you're right. These birds should be open to cars and be in love with the cars. And so we're not, we're not ranking mockingbirds themselves. We're ranking this specific activity. We'll just call it an activity. Yeah. Um, Do you think uh, mockingbirds are wrong? I feel like you're against them as birds. They're just doing what no, that's no, I think their thing. We can, we can rank them another time. I mean, they're not actually mocking any other – the actual birds. You're mocking, mocking the mockingbirds. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's right. Well – Honestly, like what other animal can do that? They actually imitate – Multiple other what animals. What about a chameleon? A chameleon How many can birds could you imitate? If I, if I put you on the spot, like, hey. A parrot probably can. Yeah. And you know that if you talk, think what an eagle sounds like, that's not what an eagle sounds like. It's a red-tailed hawk. They use it in Hollywood. That's a Hollywood yeah. eagle sound. What's up with that? Fucking Hollywood. Elites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, let's then, rank it. Like, we're, no, oh, we're yeah. not ranking mockingbirds. We're ranking this activity of them uh, make, making car yeah. alarms. Okay. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Are there any other animal good. activities? I don't think there are. I mean, there's human activities. Um, oh, feeding cats like babies. Oh, there we go. That's so, number 201. That's, again, an animal – like kind of where the animal world intersects with the human world. Right. And in order to do that, I think even though – I mean, the cats that we've that we saw depicted doing that are smiling and having fun. Um, it seems like in order yeah. to do that in real life, you really have to like bum a cat out uh, yeah. because you have to swaddle them and and put a frilly collar on them, which they don't like. It's weird uh, though. I have a cat now. I, I told you I have a cat, and he wants mm-hmm. me to pick him up like a baby and rock him. That's nice, but but feed him with a spoon. He doesn't want that. Here's another thing. I was eating Sorry. um I was eating oatmeal, and he started coming up to me like, "Hey, I wanted to try this oatmeal," and I let him taste it. And then I thought, oh man, I don't want to. I don't know what he does with his mouth. Now I That's now okay. I got to get a new spoon. But he no, he yeah. seems to enjoy it. But I I didn't know if it was good for him. So we I got to we got to rank this. Remember, we got to okay. Rank this. Okay, so here's another thing: another the day. uncanny valley effect. The uncanny valley effect is something What's like imagine what, what number is that at? The uh, number one hundred ninety eight. So here's the thing: I think we're looking way too low right now. This is the opposite of the uncanny valley effect. Yeah. This is you're hearing something real, but it's pretending to be something make believe, like be something yeah. artificial. It's it's like it's like the most real that things can be. Yeah. So, I mean, the Uncanny Valley effect is about 30 places from the bottom of the list. So, um, if this is the opposite, 30 places from the top of the list would be Star Wars. I think this isn't quite as good as Star Wars. Well, I don't know, man. I didn't like some of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, but overall, Star Wars is... is, I've never heard a bird do this. I assume it's a real thing that birds do, by the way. At 41, we got Bill Paxton, who's a person. When you see Bill Paxton, you say, nice, Bill Paxton. I'm, I'm in for a good time. When you hear Mockingbirds, you're like, oh... I'm gonna throw something at this mockingbird. Why won't it stop? It's, a, it's the car things? alarm specifically we're talking about, not mockingbirds. Oh, so okay. It's okay. that it's them mimicking mar- mockingbirds. Oh, at 45 we have metatextuality, and I I don't, I don't know if it's I wouldn't. This call is it. it is a metatextual thing. I don't. I mean. It, yeah, I mean. Oh, it's, and also, what about the vinyl records? Because a vinyl record is a recording. Listen, you could listen to a vinyl record of something digital, and it's like. It's like digital made analog, which is also what these birds are doing. Yeah, I, I would suppose I'm put it a little bit further down than that because, um, oh, here we go. How about intro to back that ass up at number 60? 
What if the intro to back that ass up instead of the slow roll, you know? Yeah. If it was a mockingbird imitating a car alarm. That wouldn't be as good. All right. So Just, it should go below that for sure. Okay. And so after that, we've got Flashdance. I'm, if I'm uh, Flashdance and Truman Show, sixty-one, sixty-two. I haven't seen Truman Show in a long time, but I'd watch either. I'd watch either one of those before listening to this particular thing. I like the you idea know, of I, it. I, the more we go down, the more I realize, like I love Rye Bread number seventy-one, and I yeah. don't think it could go. Drumline above. seventy-seven is 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 a little bit. How about saxophone and rock music number eighty-one? Yeah, that's similar. That's similar. Um, Do you think? Would you like to hear a mockingbird imitate the the saxophone from Who Can It Be Now? I, I would, but that's different. It's a different thing. Okay. Um, so let's put it above scatting at number eighty. I like it more no, than no, scatting. No, 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 no. Scatting is better. Really, man? Yeah, yeah. I think in between these two things is better. In between scatting and saxophone and rock music. Does that work for you? In between. Yeah, that works for me. Number okay. eighty-one. Yeah. So mockingbirds imitating car alarms goes into eighty-one, moving saxophone and rock music to eighty-two. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and that's it. We did the thing. We did the thing of the things. Yeah, I didn't think they said we couldn't do it, but they guess said what? We couldn't. Uh, the guess what? Wrong again. Two hundred and twenty-eight items. Yeah. So as usual, I'd like to tell you, um, thank you for listening to every damn thing. We hope that you enjoyed it. Go to everydamthing.net for the updated list and show notes. If you have something you'd like to add to the list of everything or anything else like to say to us at all, go to your email and type in listedeverydamthing.net and send us an email with that. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can send us topics there as well. Subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen. Our theme is by Jade Puget. Oh, I should also add, we have a a subreddit now. Yeah, uh, we just got a subreddit. Yeah, but we have to figure out how that works. And I don't think think we'll be submitting or we'll be accepting submissions there. At least not quite yet. Um, If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on your platform of choice. Uh, send us a screenshot of a five-star review and we'll bump your a submission of your choice to the front of the queue. Um, voting is closed for the, which topic we're going to re-rank, which we're going to be doing in an in a upcoming episode. But So stay tuned to see which topic uh, won and to hear us re-rank it. Um, also, if you want to support the show in general, uh, the best thing you can do is recommend it to a friend. Um, and I guess we're back to ranks for everything again? Yeah, uh, rank you for everything. Many ranks. <laughs> you don't have to call me Mr. Mr. Mr.